Well, good morning. Thanks for being with us today. This is the first of two talks on the subject of apathy. Next week, Dave Richards, who's part of the international leadership team of our family of churches, Salt and Light, is going to be doing the second talk on apathy. That's going to be a real treat. So I encourage you to join us for that. But as I deliver this first talk this morning about apathy, I just want to say that my heart is in no way to somehow accuse us of being apathetic or to say that we as a church or individuals are getting this wrong. Um, that's not my heart at all. Please hear that. It's a difficult subject to talk on and I'm sure it's easy for you to hear what I'm not saying. So please don't do that. Please be encouraged that there are so many people in the hub who are just far from apathetic and I want to celebrate some of that today. So be encouraged. I want it to be challenging today, yes, but be encouraged as well. And also want to say that this may be a difficult time for some of you to hear a message like this. I understand that for so many this is a tough time that we're going through. Let me encourage you to listen today, but if you come to the end and think, yeah, maybe God is challenging me, but I'm just not quite sure if I'm in the place to deal with this right now, then pop something in your diary for a few weeks or a few months time and come back and listen to the message again and allow God to speak to you when maybe you're in a better place to to hear from God and to put into place what he's saying. But please don't do nothing. Allow God to speak and allow God to challenge you through this message and next week as well. I'm going to share a number of stories this morning and I want to start in the Bible in Luke chapter 4. Here we read about Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. The devil tempts him firstly to turn stones into bread and secondly he says that he will give him all the kingdoms of the earth, give Jesus all the kingdoms of the earth if only he'll bow down and worship the devil. And then finally the devil say, takes him to the pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem and says, throw yourself down and command angels to catch you. Three real temptations for Jesus. Yes, he's fully God, but he's also fully human and he went through temptations. I just want to bring three quick things out of this story. Firstly, that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Before he goes into the wilderness, he's baptised and he receives the Holy Spirit. And it says at the beginning of Luke 4 that he enters this period of 40 days in the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. And at the end of this time, the Holy Spirit comes and comforts him. And so Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And that's my first point. We need to be full of the Holy Spirit. If we're going to make sure that we don't succumb to, to, to apathy particularly in tough times of temptation, then we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you may not quite know what that means or have never been full of the Holy Spirit. And if that's you, let me encourage you to contact us. Ways you can do that will come up at the end of this broadcast. But please do get in contact if you would love us to pray with you. Yes, it might be a little bit different. We may be able to visit you, but we may have to do it over Zoom or a phone call. Or something like that but we'd love to pray with you we'd love to stand with you and and introduce you to the Holy Spirit and pray that you'd be filled with him because in order to to remain strong we need to have that in our lives we can't do it in our own strength and God will help us with that if we ask him to do that or maybe you're listening this morning and you've been a Christian many years but maybe you're feeling like ah oh, I need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe I've become a bit empty. And if that's you, please do contact us as well. We'd love to pray with you 
as well for a refilling of the Holy Spirit. So that's point number one. Number two, Jesus refuted the enemy's advances through knowing scripture. He quoted Old Testament scriptures. And that's so key if we want to ensure that we don't become apathetic. And you know, we, Jesus gives a, a masterclass here in Luke chapter four of how not to become apathetic, particularly as he, he was under so much pressure and he'd fasted and was in the wilderness for this length of time. So let me encourage you to know your Bible, be reading the Bible daily. Remember those key scriptures, commit them to memory so you can recall them at times of difficulty or at times when you're feeling apathetic and you need to give yourself a lift. And then finally, Jesus or the devil attacked Jesus by trying to get to his identity. Each of these three temptations, he starts off by saying, if you are the son of God. And the devil will try and do the same with us. He'll try and attack us at our, our identity. And it's important that we know who we are in Christ. A few weeks ago, I put on our Facebook group for the Hub, I put some encouragements from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. And I'd encourage you to re-look at those or to, to read that passage of Scripture if you haven't done that in a while. There's so many encouragements about who we are in Christ in those short verses commit those to memory recall those when you need them but remember who you are in Christ so one be filled with the Holy Spirit secondly know the scriptures and thirdly know who you are in Christ three ways particularly when we're under fire but three ways to remain strong and make sure we don't become apathetic I run a Discovery Bible study group in the hub. It's full of people in their 20s. And we've got one couple called Harry and Portia who have recently moved to Basingstoke. They've become part of the hub during lockdown. And I'm really inspired by this couple. I've loved getting to know them both, particularly Harry. And Harry has made the decision that he's only going to work four days a week in order to free up a whole day every week to work with those in need. That's his heart. And so we've put him in touch with the dwelling place. That's a house on Sarum Hill where men, some of whom have been in prison, others need just a bit of help getting their lives back on track. And it's a great initiative. And Harry works with those men one day every week to help them and encourage them. And I've been really really challenged by that. Maybe there's areas in our lives where we need to lay something down, be willing to live with less, as I know that's Harry and Portia's heart, in order to follow the calling God has on their lives. In our Western lifestyle, in our Western comforts, it's so easy to lose sight of that. But could we be encouraged afresh today to look at areas in our lives where we can serve God even if that means laying something else down. There's another couple in this DBS group called Tom and Brooke. They're late teens, possibly 20, that kind of age. And a couple of weeks ago, Tom and Brooke came on the call and, and Brooke was just buzzing. She was wanting to tell us about how she'd had a friend over a few nights previously. And every evening, Tom and Brooke get on Zoom and pray together. And as Brooke's friend was with her at her house she said and, and Tom encouraged as well do you want to join us as we pray together over Zoom and and to Brooke's surprise her friend said yes I'd, I'd actually really like to do that she'd shown no interest in faith before that 
And so as Tom and Brooke were praying over Zoom, Brooke's friend just began to cry. She had an experience of Jesus. The Holy Spirit impacted her as they were praying. And at the end of the, the call, Brooke was able to carry on sharing and praying with her friend. What an amazing thing. Brooke's only come to faith very recently. And yet she's leading other people towards Jesus. She's been open about her faith and she's encouraging someone else. Isn't that a challenge? Isn't that encouraging? Have we somehow along the way lost our first love? Have we allowed ourselves to become a bit apathetic? That's a challenge to me and maybe that's a challenge to you as well. I've been reading a book called Unleashed by Gavin and Ann Calver. Gavin was sharing with us last week and what an encouragement he was. And I want to read a little bit from his book, his and Anne's book. And uh, it says this, just to put it in context, Gavin and Anne are in their early 40s. And Gavin writes this, fast forward today and I, Gavin, found myself meeting an old friend, one who was such an encouragement to me in my early years of faith, spurring me on in my walk with Jesus. He knew what it was to have have God in the centre of his life and would talk passionately about his love for the Lord. However, today's conversation was different. He was still speaking animatedly and enthusiastically, but it was not about Jesus. It was about his new patio. I left the conversation with thoughts flooding through my mind. What had happened in the last couple of decades to see godly, eternal passion transferred to concrete in gardens? Why do we keep bumping into Christians our age who are more evangelistic about their new kitchen than they are about Jesus? How is it that there's seemingly more inspiration for life on the pages of the Ikea catalogue than in the Bible? When did everything become so safe? Many of our contemporaries seem consumed by home ownership, kids, school places, nice holidays, work-life balance and physical fitness. There's nothing wrong with these things, but they're not the pinnacles of life. No, the true reason for our existence is spelled out by Jesus in John 10.10. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Is domestic bliss really living life to the full? Or is it a recipe that points towards a midlife crisis? We need to start extending our prophetic imaginations as to what is possible. We need a gear change in Christianity, a new perspective that remembers our identity in Christ and seeks to transform his world. The pastor Malcolm MacDonald puts it this way. We spend our lives seeking safety, ease and comfort. Yet the church in the New Testament ran towards sacrifice, servanthood and risk. What is our goal in life? Getting our needs met or laying our lives down? Is it time we refocused our priorities? What a challenge that is. I feel challenged for my generation. I'm almost 40 myself and feel challenged. Are we allowing ourselves, my generation, to become consumed and settle down, consumed by the things that Gavin and Anne write there? Or are we still on fire for the Lord? Are we still passionate? Are we still pressing in? I think that's a real challenge to my generation. I recently dug out an article I'd read last year. This was written last year. It's an article called The Satanic Lullaby, and it really caught my attention, this title. 
but it's written by a man who's just looking at the the state of the the western world the christianity and uh, he writes this i read a fascinating article about the fastest growing church in the world surprisingly it's in iran and it looks nothing like the church we know in our culture it looks a lot more like well the new testament it's led by men and women who literally risk their lives every day to go out into the highways and byways with the message of the hope of Jesus. They love so much and believe so deeply, they're ready to give up everything so others may know. They make disciples who go out and make disciples and the church is multiplying rapidly. There's a story within the story of an Iranian couple who had the opportunity to move to the US. After a few months, the wife was begging her husband to take her back to, Ar- to Iran. There's a satanic lullaby here, she told him. All the Christians are sleepy and I'm feeling sleepy. She saw the possibility of death, prison and persecution in Iran as less of a threat than the satanic lullaby. Sadly, I believe she's right. It's hard to stay on fire for the Lord when we're surrounded by so many comfortable distractions. Friends, we are being lulled to sleep and we don't even know it. We've lost the joy of our first love. This makes me want to fall on my face and repent. It leads me to question, do we really know Jesus? Or perhaps I've created in my mind an easy Jesus who tells me to to only do the things I'm passionate about, to take it easy and stay safe. Forgive me, Lord. Isn't that a challenge? Have we become so sleepy in the West that we're being lulled to sleep and we don't even realise it? I want to play a video now. It's by a pastor called Wayne Cordero and it's a clip of him speaking and he talks about the church in China and I wanted to play this because it challenged me so much and I believe it will challenge us all. So let's play that video now. Let me finish with this uh, story. We go to China from time to time and, and uh, uh, we train leaders. And this time we brought up 22 leaders from the Hunan province and they rode 13 hours on a train to get to a hotel that they came up two by two in these elevators as, so as to not draw any attention. And then they got to a hotel room, a little apartment uh, room. It's only about 700 square feet in the little living room, no air conditioning, hardwood floor, 22 sat there. I came in and when you teach in China, you start at eight in the morning and you don't get done till five at night. You teach the whole day. They were sitting there, all 22 of them, and I looked around and I said, now, if we get caught, what will happen to me? They said, oh, you'll get deported in 24 hours and we'll go to prison for three years. I said, you're kidding. How many of you have been in prison for your faith? Out of 22, 18 raised their hands. I thought, no way. I looked at him and I said, you you 22 people, how many people do you oversee? Because they were all of these small group leaders, underground church leaders in the Hunan province. I said, how many, if you counted up all the people under your jurisdiction, how many would it be? And they counted them up and they said, little over 20 million. I said, what? See, we forget there's 1.3 billion people in China. This is crazy. Well, 
I had 15 Bibles and I passed them out. Obviously, seven didn't get them. And I said, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to read it. And just then, one lady handed hers to somebody next to her. And I thought, hmm, interesting. Well, we turned there anyway. And as we started reading it, I understood why she gave it away. She had memorized the whole thing. She just recited the whole chapter. When it was done, I went over to her at a break and I said, you, you, you recited the whole chapter. She says, oh, yes, I've memorized many chapters. I said, where did you memorize so many chapters? She said, in prison. I said, you have much time in prison. <laughs> so I said, but don't they confiscate the Bible? And she said, yes. So people bring in scriptures written on pieces of paper and they bring it in. So I said, but then if they find that piece of paper on you, won't they confiscate that? She said, oh, yes, that's why you memorize it as fast as you can. Because <laughs> even though they can take the paper away, they can't take what's hidden in your heart. I thought, wow. Well, after three days, you fall in love with these people. And when it was done, I said, how can I pray for you? I'm going to go back to America. and You guys have been just so wonderful. How can I pray for you? They said, you know, Wayne, you guys can gather like this whenever you want to in America. We can't. Could you pray that one day we'll be just like you? And I looked at him and I said, I will not do that. Big incredulous eyes looked at me and they said, why? <laughs> I said, because you guys rode a train for 13 hours to get here. In my country, if you've got to drive more than an hour, people don't come. You sat on a wooden floor for three days. In my country, if people have to sit more than 40 minutes, they leave. You sat not only here for three days on a hard wooden floor, but you did it without air conditioning. In my country, if it's not padded pews and air conditioning, people don't often come back. In my country, we have an average of two Bibles per family. We don't read any of them. You hardly have any Bibles, and you memorize them from pieces of paper. I will not pray that we become like, uh, you become like us, but I will pray that we become just like you. Wow, what a challenge that is. Being willing to risk prison, to meet and be trained, travel 13 hours, sit on hard wooden floor for three days, memorizing scripture so many areas that challenged me and maybe some spoke to you as well i'm going to come into land in just a few moments but before i do just want to link this to these three prophetic words that we've received about being a church without walls that's why we're doing this series i particularly want to talk about the dream that david butler had if you remember we were sat as the hub round tables in a restaurant type building and then the walls of the building went upwards and outwards and joined the ceiling area, increasing that ceiling area. And then people would come in and we, as members of the hub, would get up from the tables having had our meal and then serve those who were coming in. And they in turn would serve others who would come and join us. Really talks of us receiving discipleship, receiving our fill and then getting up and helping 
others, disciples that make disciples, if you like, as it was mentioned in that article earlier. And I've been really challenged by this in considering this whole area of apathy, because you see it's so easy for us to come and sit at the table and eat and just keep eating. We have many dishes served up for us, these online services got some great content that inspire and provoke and help us grow in the Lord. We have small groups, we have social events, yes very different at the moment but there's so much that is there for us as church and so many of you contribute to church life in that way and we're so grateful for that but it is so easy for us just to come and sit at the table and keep eating and the problem is that if we just stay and if we eat and eat without getting up, without helping others, then we end up getting spiritually fat. And I don't want to get spiritually fat. I want to stay lean. I want to stay able to get up and help. I don't want to just stay at the tables and keep eating. And I wonder if the Lord might just lay on some of our hearts today that challenge to yes receive our fill yes receive our discipleship we need that we need to be filled we can't go out without that but could we be encouraged today to remember those three things from Luke chapter 4 to be full of the Holy Spirit to memorize recall scripture be in scripture regularly and also to know our identity in Christ because that will really help us one last story again from the Bible before I finish. This one is when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he goes to the cross and he's in so much anguish about what he's about to go through that he's sweating drops of blood and he goes off on several occasions to pray alone with his father and he asks God again finally he says look if there's any way out of this then can I take it? But his heart is to say, yet not my will, but yours be done. He shows us again a masterclass in how not to become apathetic, to focus on what God wants, not what he wants. And he's willing to go through it for us. He faces those moments. And yet while this is happening on those occasions, he goes off to pray. He comes back each time and finds his closest disciples who are with him, Peter, James and John. He finds that they've gone to sleep on, I think, three occasions while this is happening. In many ways, they're modelling how not to do it. In Jesus's time of need, they switch off and go to sleep. And it is so easy for us to do that. Many occasions throughout the Gospels, we can relate to the disciples and their humanity. But Jesus shows us how it's done. He lays down the example for us to follow. Let me encourage you to follow Jesus, to refuse to become apathetic, but to decide and and determine to follow him and seek his kingdom first. And that may cost us. But if we're ones that truly seek him and his kingdom, then we'll see him move in incredible ways. Thank you.